find it in the scriptures, but I'm, I'm going to come in through the back way on that. And towards the end, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But um, everyone has an identity. It's just a matter of where does it come from? How did you find it? We can find it from the world and who they say we are. Um, but I just want to remind you, if you get it from the world, then you're getting it from the lowest form of who you are. It's the least. And when we identify ourselves as physical or earthly or natural, bodily realm, whatever it is, we limit and lower ourselves just to that realm. In other words, we're limiting it, we're, we're taking away the God aspect of our lives. And, and we're just looking at life through our physical realm. And when we look at something like that, it's changing all the time. You can look in the mirror and you can find out that your body is changing every day. And the world has no standard of truth, so they, they will constantly be changing according to their feelings and the circumstances, whatever, whatever they think is right for the moment. And what is right today may not be right tomorrow. I mean, I remember hearing uh, on the radio this, uh, I think it was a fourth or fifth grade class, that they had all decided that they were gay. And then a week later, they decided that they weren't gay. Well, which one are you? I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about. When you identify in that realm, you're identifying in the lowest realm that you can live in. And, you know, there's, when we're talking about gender now, the world complicates it. I mean, there used to be just two that God made. And now on birth certificates, there's over 52. And I, now, how, how confusing is that? How much more complex is that? Two, that you can tell exactly what they are versus 52, that you don't know who they are. And then you have it where it's fluid as well. I've run across people where their gender is fluid. You know what that means? In case you don't know what that means, that means it changes. Not only does it change every day, but it changes every hour, and not only every hour, but every moment. They, they could see you in the morning, and they're one thing, and by the afternoon, they're something else. And then we have preferred pronouns. Why do we need that? There's only two genders. It's much more complicated than what God has created. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, I should have told you that earlier. Hey, um, Anthony, will you go back and get my water? It's on the dehumidifier back there behind the sound. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is going to be an encouraging scripture to you, even though you might not be encouraged right away, but it will. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Thank you, sir. 
so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. That's the good news. That's the encouraging part. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is for believers. This is so amazing. This is such an awesome thing. It doesn't matter what is going on in our physical life, even though God is concerned about it and we need to be concerned about it. But the main who you really are is your inner being, is your spiritual life. And it says this, if you're a believer, that our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then it says this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Isn't that amazing? So whatever you're facing, whatever difficulties you're facing, and you know, I got that list from Sharon and I'm like, oh, she better be there. She needs to hear this message because, and we're going to talk, Paul, he even says about our afflictions, they're light and momentary. Why? Because these bodies are passing away. And we get so thrilled that we can identify with this natural realm. Come on. Let me read 17 again, because so, it goes into 18. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, and then he's going to tell us not, to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And so you have to understand, at first he's saying, as we look not to the things that are seen, but we are going to look to the things that are unseen. Why? For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And let me tell you, it's much better to identify with the eternal than it is with the transient. And that's who we really are, is the eternal. And so we have to see things through the spirit realm. You know, we do live in this world, so we have to see things in the natural. But that's not the highest form. Our highest form is to be able to see life through the eyes of God. Our physical bodies are going to wear out. And so placing our identity in them doesn't make a lot of sense. Our physical bodies are changing all the times and sometimes for the good and sometimes for the not so good. And the older we get, the less we bounce back. And to put our identity in that is not wise. And again, that said, it doesn't mean that we should not take care of our bodies, that we should neglect our bodies. We shouldn't because they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to care for them, but we don't have to be wrapped up in them for our identity. We need to find our identity in what is unseen. If, uh, you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, right? All right. We'll get to some more in just a second. We need to have our identity in what's going to last. We read about his, or how he mentioned his light and momentary affliction. Look with me in verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says this. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. And the treasure he's speaking of God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. And he says, and God has wrapped them in, and put them in jars of clay. 
So I want you to know you don't have to be perfect. It was already shared this morning. We don't have to be perfect. We're jars of clay. God understands that. But it's not the jar of clay that's so important as the treasure that's in us. And he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Isn't this awesome? And you thought you had troubles. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. And so even the hardships that we're going through, and it's coming against our physical body, it's okay. Because God's working a greater thing in them. If we will agree with him, if we will allow him, he's working a greater thing in them. And it's his glory being revealed. And so Paul's trying to get us to see it's not about our bodies. It's about the treasure. It's about the God who is in us. And what we see in the natural is only temporary. It's going to change sooner or later. You know, years ago, there was that phrase, if you were going through a hard time, people would say, well, this too will pass. And I'm here to tell you, this too will pass. Whatever you're facing, it's going to pass someday. You don't have to find your identity in Paul wasn't as concerned with the natural part of his life as he was with the life of Christ being revealed through him. And that was Paul's identity. His identity was Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, please. And I just want to remind you that Back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, it says that um, they were naked. This is before the fall. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. But then after the fall, they were naked and they were ashamed. And they tried to cover up. And we have to understand that the temporal, I mean, that's just, it's fleeting. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's the eternal that's lasting. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. This seems weird, but you can go back and read all of it if you want. Philippians 3, 2. Look out for the dogs. (laughs) Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Aren't you glad about that? And he has to get a little strange here for a moment to help them out, but we'll see what he's saying. But remember this, who put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4, though I myself have reason to for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, 
as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So this is his identity in the natural, and he's like, it's not a big deal. And he's trying to make a point here. So he, he's talking about the greatness of his uh, natural identity. But then he says this in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. We'll pause there for a moment. I mean, this is like an amazing statement that Paul is making. And he's saying that it doesn't matter what you have in the natural. And whatever you have in the natural, someday it's going to be gone. And if it's not gone, you're going to be gone from it. You're going to be separated from it one day. But there's one thing that you can't be separated from, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, I count all of these things as a loss that I might know Christ. And everything that he has suffered in the natural, we're going to look at that in just a minute, but everything he suffered in the natural, he's like, it doesn't matter to me because they can't separate me from Christ. They can't separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Mm. He says he counts them all as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him, speaking of Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul's trying to get us to see that the flesh didn't mean anything to him. Yet nowadays we're putting so much emphasis on the flesh and we're elevating the flesh. And it doesn't make sense. The world has elevated the flesh higher than how God has made us. And he has made us as spiritual beings first. And yet the world is touting our flesh. And God wants to know, well, what about your spirit realm? How are you identifying? Are you identifying as being in a right relationship with me? Knowing that we're made in his likeness and image. Being spiritual, understanding and having that spiritual awareness, knowing that we're made in God's likeness and image is of the highest value we can place on our lives. Walking out our faith in light of who God says we are, which is total opposite of how the world views us and, and identifies us. But walking out our faith, walking out in the spiritual realm, understanding that our, our physical realm is not the only life that there is to live. There's a whole new life out there. 
It's a life of faith. It's a life walking with Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul didn't even elevate his sufferings. You know, sometimes we get caught up in our sufferings, we, and that becomes our identity. And Paul didn't identify with them. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He didn't elevate them to a place that they shouldn't be. And matter of fact, he, he even lowered them, and he, it says that he considered them rubbish. So he wasn't concerned about his reputation. He wasn't concerned about the things that... He lost for the sake of Christ. It didn't bother him because there was no comparison in his life and in his mind. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, he says this. And again, we're coming into a thing where he's trying to justify things in the natural because they can't understand things in the spiritual. And so here it is, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three: Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Sounds like a great resume, doesn't it? Verse 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Mm. Anybody suffered that lately? Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. 26, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And so when the world doesn't understand you, are you going to be okay with that? We need to be. When the world tells us that we're crazy and we've lost our mind and everything else, you, you can disagree with me. Yeah, I have. I got a new one. It's Christ's mind now. That's why you don't recognize it. But, you know, he talks about this. Danger from his own people? I mean, he had danger all around him, but it didn't matter to him. Verse 27. In toil, in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. I mean, this was a great life that he lived. And if we don't have the right hotel or we don't have, you know, our service right away at, at the slow food services now, you know, used to be fast food. Now they're not fast. They're slow. And so you have to get a different mindset if you're going to go to a fast food restaurant and think it's going to be fast. You have to go there thinking, I have a lot of time to get through this. I'm not in a hurry. And 
but I mean, think of the things we get upset about. Verse 28. And apart from all these things, which he's going to add more, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. I don't know anyone who has suffered like Paul has. And yet he counted it as loss so that even through them, Paul might come to know Christ even greater. You know, the horrific things that we heard about Susan last week and the things that she went through when she was younger and, and stuff, and yet how she shared about her suffering and, and how she figured out how God spoke to her and how God revealed to her that he was with her. He was with her. Paul's saying, you know what? I'll do it again if I get to know Christ even greater. If I get to know him even more, I'll go through it even more. If you'll turn with me to Colossians, please, chapter 1. I'm sharing this because we have to get off our flesh and elevating it to a place of superiority to who we really are when we're spiritual beings made in the likeness and image of God. And that's who we ought to be focusing on. That's what we ought to be focusing on. And in order to do that, we have to start setting our minds right and figuring out what is really true and, and what is truth and walking in that and not lowering or limiting ourselves to who we are in the natural realm. If we keep looking, hear me on this, if we keep looking to the natural realm, to the natural thing for our identity, the further and further we will get away from God and who we really are. If we become so consumed with who we are in the natural, we're getting further and further away from who God is and who we are in God. And when that happens, we become frustrated because we know that we are made for more than just this natural realm. We are made for God and by God. I don't care if you're saved or unsaved. You know that. You know that you're here for a reason. You may fight it all your life, but truth is, you know that you were made by God and for him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Were you created? Then you're by him. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. You're in earth, on earth, right? All right, you were created by him. Visible and invisible, we can see you. You're created by him. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Your life matters to him. He has plans for us. And then just to wrap it up in verse 17, and it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Your life holds together because of him. You don't exist, whether you know it or not, you don't exist apart from him. Go to chapter 3, if you will. Colossians chapter 3.
Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So in other words, what he's saying is, if you're born again, then this is what you need to begin to do. Okay? Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand of God. He's in the heaven. So our minds, our seeking, needs to be up there first. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. You want to find your proper identity? Then you start thinking about heaven. You start thinking about your creator. You start thinking about your savior. You start thinking about the power that is in us, the Holy Spirit, who is all God. That needs to be our identity. And it's our responsibility, he says, for us. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And how excited do we get about these new changes to our identity in the natural realm that we can't even figure out? And we're promoting that and we're not thinking about who God is and how he has made us. Verse 3, and this is the reason why. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have to set our minds on things above. And so God is inviting us to think higher. Isaiah speaks of that as well. But God is inviting us here to think higher about who we are and about our spiritual life. Who we are created in God's likeness and image and not be limited and lowered to just our natural realm. And then when we set our minds on these things that are above, on Christ, on God, on the Holy Spirit, on the things that are eternal. Verse 5, Paul starts off and he tells us to do something with this understanding. He says, put to death. Everybody say, put to death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That won't go well in the, in the world anymore, will it? But we've got to get this as a church. We've got to make sure that we're walking in this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he identifies it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. When you were living in them. But now, everybody say, but now. But now you must put them all away. And then he gives you another list. He loves us. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. This is all just from the natural. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Well, how do you do that? You keep your mind set on him. You set your mind on things above. 
Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, Christ is the equalizer. So he tells us to put to death these things. How do you put them to death? You start thinking about who you are in Christ. When you're ready to get angry, you start to think, well, no, I can't get angry because I belong to Christ. God loves me so much that he forgave me and he has grace and mercy for me. So instead of me getting angry, God, I'm going to extend grace and mercy. That's putting to death the things of the flesh. Somebody's not driving fast enough for you. And they're in the left lane, and that's the passing lane. And you're going to have a tizzy. You're going to get angry about it. And you want to beep your horn. And you want to show them the finger afterwards. I know y'all don't. You don't do it because you remember. You're thinking about, well, who am I? And so when we start setting our mind on things above, we're going to put to death certain things. But then we're going to put on certain things as well. And that's in verse 12. Colossians 3.12, Paul says to put on. Everybody say put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones. You see, when you're ready to get in the flesh and you're ready to do something, you can stop and you can say, wait a minute, I'm one of God's chosen ones. And that will help you. That will enable you and encourage you not to do the fleshly thing that you were just getting ready to do. You can think yourself, well, wait a minute, I'm chosen by God. He's got a call. He's got a plan for my life. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. Oh, not only are you chosen, but you're holy and beloved. Nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. You need to stop and think about that. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. How do you put on love? First, you've got to remember who you are. You've got to remind yourself of where you're seated. You've got to remind yourself your mind is set on things above, not on earthly things. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And when you're becoming like that, you can get a Coca-Cola if you remember that. If you're not old, you won't know what that means. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. 
when you can look at your life and you think you don't have anything to be thankful for, then it's because you're just looking at earthly things. You're not looking at, you, you don't have your mind set on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thank, <coughs> excuse me, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Kind of hard to be mad when you're praising God, isn't it? Hard to be discouraged when you're praising God. And so when we set our mind on things above, we won't do that. In verse 17, and whatever you do, everybody say, whatever I do. And I'm here to tell you that means whatever you're doing. Whatever you're living through, whatever you're going through, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to, the, to God the Father through him. When we set our minds on things above, we're going to put off certain things. We're going to put on God. Isn't that awesome? But if we don't set our mind, we'll keep thinking on the things of the natural, the things of this world, the things of the flesh. We put on these things by looking to God and to know who he is. And that he has made us in his likeness and image. And to realize that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. And that the real us is made in the likeness and image of God and setting our minds on those things that are above. If you'll stand with me, please. If you are a believer, then this is what we are called to. We are called not to get all upset about our losses, the things that come against us. We're not to elevate the natural realm higher than what it's supposed to be. I mean, we can't get away from it because we're natural beings as well. We are jars of clay. On earth, we live down here. You have to walk in that. But that's not totally who we are. And all of this, if you're going to set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, then it takes faith. It doesn't happen automatically. You're the ones, we're the ones who have to set our minds there, and we do it by faith. We remember how he has made us. That we're made in his likeness and image. And, and we have the privilege of living in this world like we belong to heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And 
Lord, how do we find our identity? Finding it comes from knowing that we're made by you. We're made in your likeness and image. And Father, I pray that that would resonate within each and every one of us, that we would know it without a shadow of a doubt. That we would know that we belong to you, that we were made for you and by you. That you have a plan and a purpose for us. And though, Father, we live in the natural, and even though that we're to care for these bodies, but we also know that these bodies are wasting away, who we really are is who we are on the inside, the spirit realm that you've called us to be. Father, I pray that you would help us that even by faith, we are a people who set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at your right hand, Father. Help us to be that. Help us to live the rest of our life out knowing that, walking in this truth, Father. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, be blessed and have a great week having your mind set on things above.